Take your Bibles if you would. We're in Luke chapter 2. We are in one of the more famous passages this morning uh, in all of Scripture. Uh, and it parallels that little short video you saw this morning. But we're going to read it. And uh, we're going to start um, with verse 8 in Luke chapter 2. And it reads like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks that night. Can't you just see Linus with the blanket, right? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The old version says, sore afraid, right? I bring you good news, or I says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray this morning. Father, when we come, this is your story, not our story. And often we forget that. And we forget that um, it's about your work in history and your proclamation of your kingdom that is really at stake here. And so when we come, we recognize what a significant moment this must have been. And we are galvanized by it. We, we pause before you and we realize you have done something for us that we could not do for ourselves. And we are grateful this morning. Lord, just like last night, we did for others what they could not do for themselves. We just mirrored your footsteps, and it was a, a beautiful thing to do. As we gather this morning, as we head into Christmas season, Lord, we pray not only will we celebrate it, but we pray again that the herald, the message of your kingdom would go out, and we seek you for that in your name. Amen. Okay. All right, we're going to look at this passage from two sides. So this week, we're going to look at this passage from the angel side of the story, all right, from their perspective. We don't often do that. Uh, most of the time, we just think about the angels, and they showed up in cool, and then we talk about the shepherds and Mary and all, Joseph and the baby. And, but we're going to look at the angel's perspective this morning. Then next week, we'll come back, and we'll look at the shepherd's uh, side of the story. But uh, let's go to... Um, the shepherds or the angel side here, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All right, so we instantly get this impact of when angels show up, it's not like, oh yeah, hey Gabe, how you doing? Okay, there is this awe-inspiring, striking kind of thing that takes place and... Um, and, and you see that whenever people encounter uh, angels with that. It's, it's an overwhelming kind of thing. But the angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That word good news is even gellium in the Greek. All right? 
and even gelium, you would recognize the root of that. All right, so when we uh, use different words, so for example, evangelism, evangelium, right, comes from that. Evangelistic um, comes from that. Um, Evangelical, have you ever heard someone say, well, we're an evangelical church? And you go, what's an evangelical church? Right, that, you know, is that British or what? I mean, you know, English kind of thing. No, when we say we're an evangelical church, what we're saying is we are the people or the church of the good news, the evangelium, the good news of the gospel. And so we are uh, an evangelistic church. We are involved in the sharing of the good news. So when we're involved in evangelism, that's what we are. We're sharers of the good news. The message that was proclaimed by the angels, we're now carrying that uh, on uh, just as they brought it. So when we're talking about good news, it says here that it's good news of great joy, right? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, okay? What is the good news and why would it produce great joy? Notice it doesn't say, I bring you good news of middle and joy, Okay? It doesn't say, I bring you uh, good news of kind of joy, or sort of joy, or apathetic joy, or bored joy. Right? It says, I bring you good news of what? Great joy. In other words, when you think about what God has done for you, it should produce great joy inside of us. I bring you good news of great joy. What's the news? That a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. The word Christ here is the the Greek word for the Hebrew word, Messiah. And Messiah was the word that was the anointed one in the highest sense of the word that it could be. All through the Old Testament, if you read through the Bible and uh, spend any time in the Old Testament at all, you'll pick up on the promises of, of the anointed one, the one who was to come, the one who was the fulfillment of God's plan, the one who would carry out God's plan and reveal God's kingdom to his people was the Messiah. The Greek word for that is Christ. And so uh, he's the one that we looked at last week. Remember the star from Balaam's prophecy, the star and scepter would come out of Jerusalem or out of Judah. One would reign uh, who would come out of Israel. We're saying that this baby, this baby Jesus is that person. Nothing pictures the heart and love of God in such a moving way as God coming to us as a present, as a gift, wrapped up in the body of a baby. You know, I just want to suggest, I don't, this is a rabbit trail, but it's a good one. Is that brilliant of God or what? Is there anything that captivates your heart like a baby? Last night, if you could have watched the kids it was 19 degrees outside. I got down to 70, I think. And the, the thing, they had to go out and see the manger scene. And we had actually live babies out there, okay? Bundled up and moms came to warm and we had two heaters. But the kids, and you know, what was more interesting than watching the kids was watching the adults. The adults, you want to go out and see the baby? Oh, yeah, okay, let's, you know. And you could tell the adults wanted to go out and see that. There's nothing for an adult that captivates our heart like a baby. And I think God was just absolutely genius. If he had came as a warrior, if he had come as a great power uh, person, we would have all given deference, but it would have never galvanized our heart in the way that it has when he came as a baby. 
And because of that, a lot of us realize how approachable God is because of the way he presented himself. When we think of great presence, you know, think of the great presence you've gotten over the years in your life when someone really knew you and got you something either really cool or really funny because they knew who you were, right? And when you think about great presence and great gifts, nothing can outgive this gift. God gave himself a Savior. And if a Savior is given, then there must be a need, right? God's not dumb. If there's something he sees and he gives something for it, then there must be a need. And that need was he saw that we uh, weren't able to help ourselves. Because a Savior isn't just there for window dressing. It's not just an academic title. It's not just, you know, you hang it up for a holiday. A Savior means that he was there, he came to save. Save what? Well, to save all of those who would look to him and trust him by faith, of which you by this morning honor him because you've come to worship him. And he's pleased with you. And you need to know that. Merry Christmas. And thus we believe and thus we proclaim Jesus came to be the Savior of the world, and that includes you and me, and to the glory of God, many, many others. All right, so uh, this morning we sang Hark the, Herald, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and we've got to avoid the second great interpretation, Art and Herald Really Stink. Okay? You know how you get those words can get twisted on all that kind of stuff. But it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory, the glory of the Lord, oh, let me get there to my slide, there we go. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, but the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And the angel gives that proclamation. And then you think, okay, good. Message done. You can go home now, right? But in the midst of that, in the, in the, in the telling that, all of a sudden, there's this enormous breakout scene. And uh, we tried to find some pictures of it. We couldn't really even find pictures that would, would capture it. But it says, suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. There's just this burst out scene uh, across the sky. Can you imagine, uh, we'll look at this next week, what the shepherds thought. But like, hadn't seen that before? Awesome, I think, right? But what we have is this angel was a herald, all right? The angel's heralding this news. And uh, I meant to get a copy of the Everett Herald this morning because the question is, what is a herald, right? So like many of us read or we used to read the Everett Herald, right? Get that in the, now we do it electronically, whatever we do. But uh, it's a proclaimer. The idea of a herald is a messenger uh, a front runner, or here's a cool word, a harbinger. Okay? That's a cool word, a harbinger. In other words, of things to come, of things that will take place. A harbinger. Uh, many times a harbinger, the idea of a harbinger carries not only with it the idea of proclamation, but the idea of warning. You should pay attention to this. This is very important. Uh, something is about to play out. Uh, often that position carried a formal position in relation to a king. So a uh, herald was an official representative authority and messenger who brought a proclamation either from one kingdom to another kingdom 
or it was a message within the kingdom itself that needed to be dispersed. And you find uh, both of those in uh, both the Old and New Testament. Um, in early American history, we had the town crier. Any of you remember that? Study American history, right? In New England, you had the town crier. The town crier was a herald that was both news that was coming and... Um, and also harbinger of warnings, right? We all familiar with Paul Revere and his famous ride. And uh, Paul Revere was a harbinger of things to come. He was the town crier, right? So when we go to the Old Testament, uh, the most classic place is uh, in Daniel chapter three, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, builds a statue. I read the story to you. You can turn there if you'd like. But in Daniel chapter 3, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. That's basically 90 feet high. So if you think of a 90-foot tower or 90-foot silo, sorry, Midwest illustration, but you get the idea how tall that was. And he set it up on the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the perfects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates. In other words, all the big bowanas had to be there, right? And to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. And so all these big bowanas, the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. And then the herald loudly proclaimed. Here's what he said. Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, in other words, they had a band, okay? In their day, it was probably a kicking band. Um, I noticed they didn't have a banjo in there. All right, all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into the blazing furnace. And therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Except for three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who didn't? And they came and they said, Hey, O king, everybody did what you asked except these three guys who you have in a high level of administration in your kingdom. They refuse to obey your orders, i.e. Allah. If you allow that to happen, everybody else will be rebels too. And they will not worship you as God. And so you're going to have a divide in your kingdom and your kingdom might crumble. What are you going to do about that, O king? King came, brought him in, said, hey, did you bow? No. You didn't listen to the herald? No. And they said to him, no, O king, that our God is able to save us. But even if he won't, know that we will not bow before your statue. And of course, we know that story. It's an amazing story um, where Nebuchadnezzar actually saw the pre-incarnate Christ in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But here's the point of this with the harbinger. When that harbinger said all nations and peoples, all the nations and peoples that had been collected uh, throughout the conquest of Nebuchadnezzar's reign were in that plain. There maybe have been a million, million and a half people there. And it represented every nation on the earth. They were to bow. When the herald said that, there was none of this, um, I don't have to listen to you business that we have in America. Okay? Who are you? Harbinger what? Herald what? I don't know any herald. Don't know any art either. So I'm fine, you know? Um, 
I don't have to listen to you. You're not the king. You're just a measly old herald. All right? There was none of that. When a herald proclaimed that message, it was the message of the king, and it carried all the authority and power of the king in that message. It was as if the king was speaking himself. Why? Because the herald was simply proclaiming the king's message. Right? So when we see this angel come, and he says, I have a message for you, that angel carried all the authority of the king when he came with that message. What does a herald proclaim? Well, a herald proclaims these three things. The express intentions of the king. If you want to know the king's heart, listen to the herald. All right? They'll tell you what the king's heart is. Second thing is the plans of the king. Often a herald would go through and say, here's what's about to happen and here's what we need you to do. Right? Often um, in church, that's the role of a pastor. Preacher, that word can also be used interchangeably with herald. So a preacher is a herald. And often when we do announcements, we say, hey, here's what's coming up. Here's what we need you to do. The plans of the king. The third thing is the herald's message carried the authority of the king. All right? And so in this passage, it, it catches that. So when we talk about this herald from heaven, all right, we put this whole picture together. We come away with this astonishing picture. And I want you to stop for a minute and think about it because often when we think about this picture, we think about it from our side, mostly the shepherd's side because shepherds were human, so we'll take, we often take their side of it. But think about it this morning from the angel's side. Okay? Think about what it would have been like to be the one who got to come and proclaim that message. What would that have been like? Now, let me set the table for you a little bit. Go back to uh, when you were born. Who announced your birth? It was probably, right, a dad or a mom or an uncle, right? The calls went out and um, they, you know, they, hey, a baby's born, right? I know when our kids were born, boy, boom, boom, word went flying fast, right? And, uh, and it was just in a very, very exciting, exciting time. Well, this birth, this was no ordinary birth. We just, uh, you know, on a human level, we just experienced a royal birth this summer with the birth of George Alexander Lewis. You're going, who? Otherwise known as the son of William and Kate, or by his official name, His Royal Highness Prince George of Cambridge. All right? And uh, the birth was heralded throughout the world, right? Uh, it didn't matter where you looked in the store. It didn't matter where you looked on the news. It didn't matter where you looked on the internet. That was front and center, right? It still is. And the, the announcement of a royal birth um, was all over the place and, uh, and went throughout the world. But as important as his birth was, it still was only heralded by humans. This birth, this birth was heralded by angels, this was a much bigger deal. Heaven itself was on tiptoe to see what was happening and to proclaim who he was. These were no ordinary heralds. Now, stop for a second and, and think about being the angel. What would that mean? Well, if you're an angel, you don't get old like people do. So what that means, go back. You would have been there since the creation of the universe, right? You were back there in the beginning, you were one of God's first created works. The first beings he ever created were angels. So you watched this whole thing play out. You saw, you've lived in heaven 
all your existence. You know exactly what it's like. You know its brilliance. You know its glory. You know its joy. You know its light. You know its power. You know it's amazing. You're just like, wow, this is such an awesome, cool thing. And you were also there to watch some things tip. You were there when you saw Satan go sideways and a third of the angels are swept out and cast out of heaven. And what a shock that must have been. And how did that even play out? They know. They watched the earth being created. They saw Adam and Eve be created. They saw Adam and Eve fall. They know our history. They walk among us. All right? They are familiar with our history. And so they're very, very attuned to all the joy we experience and all the pain and, and fear we experience. And they've been watching. And they knew that God was going to do something to rescue humans. I'm not even sure if the angels know why we're so important. A lot of times in Scripture, it gives clues that they're kind of watching this whole thing with amazement themselves, right? And, um, and, and they've been watching God's plan, and God is rolling out this plan, but they don't know the timing of it. And then all of a sudden, God says, here we go. And Jesus is born, and you are the angel that God says, you will be the herald. Go down and tell the message. They go wild. I mean, we got a party going on here. The angel starts to tell the message. He says, a child's been born, you said, David. And all of a sudden, all heaven breaks loose, and you see thousands upon thousands upon thousands, okay? And the in book of Revelation, says 10,000 times 10,000. That's a lot of thousands, Okay? And they're swirling around and they're whooping it up and they're going around the throne and they're praising God and they're just going, here it is, God is rolling it out. Can you imagine what that was like from their side? Can you imagine what that felt like? Can you imagine the light and the sound and the joy and the power coming out of those guys going, here we go, wow, look at what God has done because they don't know sin like we do. They don't know the fall like we do. And they are wild with joy to the point where when the angel proclaims, it just breaks out. It's an incredible, spectacular thing. It says that in the Bible, we'll get to see that again. Book of Revelation tells us that that's all going to come rolling back around again, and it's going to come back, and we're going to experience that, and we're going to watch that around the throne, and we will be astonished beyond words. When the Bible says that no eye can see, no no ear can hear, no heart can, mind can imagine um, what God has in store for us. I always think, gee, I got a pretty good imagination. I think I could. I don't know if you've ever said that, but I'll just sin for you, okay? Um, and then I start to catch glimpses of this, and I think, maybe not. Maybe I have underestimated that quite a bit. You know, and I always tell people, be very careful what you tend to underestimate. And one of the things that's really dangerous to underestimate God, especially His glory and especially His kingdom and especially what He's going to bring together. And we get glimpses of that at Christmas and Easter, don't we? It is beyond us. There is something beyond us that is so profound. And it galvanizes our hearts in ways that we can't even put words to a lot of times. But you're sitting here singing a Christmas song and all of a sudden tears come, right? You ever get choked up and you can't sing and it's like, what's coming over me? Well, the glory of the kingdom of God. They were getting little, little snippets. But notice when the shepherds got it, right? They're like, whoa, what is this, right? Blew them away. Can you imagine what it would have been like from the angel's perspective? Just think about that.
what would that have been like? And you get to announce it. Yo, shepherds, I have a message for you. They would have been wild with joy. You ever see somebody wild with joy? Right? I mean, not just, oh yeah, I'm joyful. Right? Wild with joy. And that's what it says. It broke out and there was just a a proclamation going on. We know heralds are all through the New Testament. There were other heralds. Let, Let me give you a couple that you would recognize very clearly. John the Baptist was a herald. Right? He was the one who would come to make way the straight, uh, make straight the way of the Lord. He was the one that was the proclaimer of the one to come. He said, I am not the Christ. He said, but one is coming after me who is more powerful than I. I am not even worthy to undo the thong on his sandal, which in that culture was the lowest of lows. Right? Um, probably the best picture we would have is changing somebody's diaper. It would be about the equivalent to it. Right? He said, someone's coming who's way, way beyond me. He was a herald of, of Jesus' ministry. Jesus himself was a herald. Jesus is, was, is, and is still uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God. He came as a revealer and a herald of the kingdom of God. And he came to tell us about God. And he came to tell us how we could be saved. And he came to tell us how we should live. And he came to tell us um, how we should follow. He's a herald of the kingdom that is to come and how the kingdom operates. Why do we do the goofy stuff that we do? We do the goofy stuff we do because Jesus is teaching us how to follow him. And when you do the goofy stuff, it's amazing. It's just an amazing thing because there's a different life to it. So Jesus was a herald. The Apostle Paul was a herald. The Apostle Paul was a herald to who? The Gentiles. Who would the Gentiles be? Who's a product of the Apostle Paul's heralding of the ministry back in the first three missionary journeys um, in the early church back in the beginning? Who would be the result of that? We would be. You realize that we are the extension of the Gentile ministry that started back when Paul proclaimed the gospel to the Gentiles, which was an absolutely astonishing, unthinkable thing that the Gentiles were included in the kingdom of God. We are sitting and living in the midst of a miracle and we don't even know it. And I'm not talking about our building. That is too. But I'm talking about the fact that God opened the doors to those who weren't Jewish in origin and opened the door to Gentile peoples in that 2,000 years later, that's all rolling out as us. That's an amazing herald when you think about it. So then the question this morning as we come to Easter, what does a herald look like today? Right? There have been heralds all through the past in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The angels were a herald. We saw how they got just excited and pumped up and were filled with great joy to give the message that God had for them. What, who's the herald today? You are. Okay? Right? We were going to have Zach come up and take a picture and then put your pictures up on the screen. But we couldn't pull it off. But we are. Right? We are heralds or proclaimers of the good news. And so when we think about Christmas and we think about what's going on, ask for God-given divine opportunities to be a herald. Give me a way, God, to be a herald for your son. Just like the angel was a herald and got to tell other people about your impact. Could you give me 
a way to be a hero for you this Christmas season? Could I have a chance and an opportunity divinely created by you to share the good news that today a Savior's been born. His name is Christ the Lord and he came to die for our sins. You know, I, I mentioned this earlier, but the, the word preacher in the New Testament uh, can be translated herald, right? And so I'm a herald, you're a herald. Okay? You may have thought your name was whatever it is, but you're herald. Not the name, Harold. We are heralders of the good news. Let's pray together. Father, as we uh, come this morning and as uh, the gang comes up and uh, leads us in worship, when we look from the angel's side, we recognize this was one of the most significant moments in history in regards to the eyes of your kingdom. It was rolling out not only a plan, it was rolling out the plan. And Father, we do not have the power or the whereabouts, or the wits to outmatch uh, our world today. Father, in many ways, we are extremely outmaneuvered. We are outpoliticked, we are outlegaled, we're outrhetoriced, we're outmediated. Um, we have really very bad inability. And yet, Lord, we have great ability through you. If you were to renew the works of old, like it says in Habakkuk, and to do them again in our day, Lord, we could proclaim and be heralds for you. And we ask that you'd give us opportunities this Christmas right now. We did it last night. And it was an amazing thing to watch us fellowship and serve and work together. Lord, we pray that that will carry over uh, through this season, that you will give us divine opportunities to share the good news with someone uh, in our life, in our neighborhood, in our family. And we ask for that in your name.